Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 72, 14 Ways Leaders Recharge Their Batteries, How to Increase Energy, Improve Mood, and Manage Stress. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Hey, as we get started today, I have two quick announcements to share. First of all, I want to say thank you to Bill Holston, who uh, provided a written review on iTunes. He said, I listen to these before work. I always get a good idea for leading our agency. Thank you, Bill. That really makes a big difference in helping more people find out about our show. Uh, for our other listeners, we would love to hear from you as well. If you're willing to rate us or even provide a sentence or two or more about why you like the show, it makes a huge difference. We will point you in the right direction if you just go to engagingleader.com forward slash iTunes. Secondly, we have an interview, big interview coming up with Dr. Lois Frankel, who is the author of the brand new revised and updated 10-year anniversary version of her huge bestseller, which will be called in the updated version, Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office, Unconscious Mistakes Women Make That Sabotage Their Careers. We would love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about that book or a question for Lois. Do you think it's true that nice girls don't get the corner office or still don't in the 21st century now, still don't get the corner office? Do women ha- women leaders have to choose between being nice and being influential? What do you think about that? Uh, the best way to leave a message and to get your question or comment on that show is to go to engagingleader.com and click on the red button on the side that's called record voicemail. You'll be able to leave a message. If you don't like it, you can re-record it. Uh, that's a very high quality recording that you'll leave there. You can also leave an audio message by phone if you're in the U.S. You can call 989-787-0060. Uh, or, of course, you can submit questions or comments by email. I'm at jesse at engagingleader.com or by Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy or on Facebook or LinkedIn. As leaders, we're wired for action. Serving others, carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, being out in front of people. But we need to invest time and learning into re-energizing practices. Otherwise, we risk killing the golden goose. Now, I recently wrote a blog post about ways that leaders can recharge their batteries, and it prompted a huge amount of sharing on Facebook and comments and so forth. And so I thought it would be good to share some of these uh, re-energizing tactics and in particular, it's, I think it's struck a vein right now because this is the start of a new year. It's uh, wintertime in the Northern Hemisphere. Those two factors combined cause a lot of people to be assessing their energy levels and maybe even dealing with energy problems, including uh, depression or mild depression or just the winter blues. So in this podcast, I'm joined in the studio by my wife, Erin. Hello, dear. Hello. Who, like me, has been very mindful, uh, actually spending time researching ways to maintain energy, especially in the wintertime. Uh, we're definitely, where we are, we're pretty close to the 45th parallel, so we're halfway 
between the equator and the North Pole. And it's definitely an area where uh, the energy levels in, in people tends to be an issue. Most of the people in our area have, uh, if, they, if they ever get um, tested for it, will show up as low vitamin D levels for one thing. So in the wintertime, you have less sunlight, you have harsher weather, which can result in less time spent outdoors. And especially with the holidays, there's just more temptations for unhealthy eating and drinking. So as we kick off the new year, this is a great time to think about what can you do to recharge your batteries, to have more energy, a better mood, and lower stress. Number one on the list today is eating right. And I just mentioned that in the holidays, you tend to have a less healthy eating and that just sort of causes this cycle of low energy then you feel like you want to you need a pick-me-up so you eat uh, what feels like a high energy sugary food is actually just a, a, a very short-term energy boost because within 15 minutes or so your energy is going to crash again and you're either going to have a craving to just eat more of that sugary food or you're just going to you're going to feel sluggish so finding the right mix of foods makes a huge difference. And for me in particular, I find that protein, vegetables, fruits, and a limited amount of starches makes a huge difference. If I have too much starches, or especially sugars and uh, bread products and grains, although I love them, I, I, I guarantee I will get sluggish and basically just be in an endless cycle of getting a craving and then eating and then being sluggish and getting a craving. Also, eating those kinds of foods makes me more likely to be distracted instead of being able to focus and more likely to get overwhelmed. But if I'm eating right, I'm much more focused and creative and action-oriented. Now, just recently, actually thanks to you, honey, we, we discovered a book called The New Me Diet. Me is a, an acronym, uh, stands for metabolism effect. And uh, even though it's not, I wouldn't say it's the best written book, it's been very helpful to both of us in finding foods that um, really boost our energy and get us away from that kind of endless cycle. Number two is moving more. And paradoxically, when we're feeling drained, we really don't want to move at all. We want to go lay down and take a nap or veg in front of the TV or something like that. But um, interestingly enough, when you do feel de-energized, getting up and getting your blood pumping is going to increase your energy. Um, even if it's uh, not necessarily high-intensity exercise. It could just be gentle exercise um, and stretching and that sort of thing. But um, So let's look at four specific types of moving. Okay, the first one we'll look, we'll look at, and this is number three on our list of ways to recharge your batteries, is walking. And perhaps this will come as a surprise to people. I know it did to me when you uncovered it in your research, honey, but Walking may be the greatest stress reliever of all. If you can get out and walk between 20 and 60 minutes a day, it will 
even out your energy level. It, it is a great calming and uh, calming device and brings perspective, and it resets your metabolism so you have a healthier energy level and over time improved weight. This is certainly not shouldn't be a huge shock to anybody in the business world. There's lots of studies about the benefits of walking, and a lot of leaders have used it. Perhaps most famously is Steve Jobs uh, from Apple famously used walking as his preferred way to hold meetings. He, with a small group or just a one-on-one -on -one meeting, he would usually prefer to go on a walk around the campus or around the neighborhood with somebody as opposed to sitting in a conference room. I think you really helped hit the nail for me on the head, honey, when you said don't think of walking as exercise, Like, because we all know we need to walk at least, let's say, 30 minutes. I mean, we need to get at least 30 minutes of exercise most days of the week. And you said, don't think of walking as the exercise because it's probably not enough. You probably need a higher intensity level of exercise to achieve your, your weight goals and other goals. But think of walking as an energy boosting time, as a metabolism leveling time, and as a creative time because it just helps you uh, have proper perspective and gets you out of the weeds and you can just uh, be calmer and think more strategically. Number four, high-intensity short workouts. Now, we're not talking about um, doing steady-state cardio activity, like going out for a jog or um, doing some sort of an aerobics program. Here we're actually talking about really intense physical exercise. Preferably, um, you do it until you're too tired to keep going. So you want to, on a scale of one to 10, you want to be exercising as close to a 10 as possible until you can't do it anymore. And then you stop and catch your breath. And as soon as you can resume that level of intensity, you go back and do that same activity again. So you, you might be running on a treadmill or riding a bike or um, lifting weights, or you might be mixing it up and lifting some weights and then go run a sprint on the treadmill or what have you. But it's that doing it as hard as you possibly can that helps you to build muscle and repair your tissue and uh, imp improve your metabolism and help you actually burn your the calories and, and food uh, long after you've stopped exercising. Whereas that steady state cardio where you just go out for a, just a long, slow jog, that actually your body adapts to it and it can depress your metabolism. So you here you think you're doing a good thing in, in increasing uh, your fat burning capacity and, and gaining all this muscle and that, but your body adapts to it too quickly. That high intensity, all out effort in and we're not even talking about don't do that for an hour. Do it for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Don't do it much beyond that. Do it. You only need to do it a few times a week, maybe three or four times a week. Even twice a week is, is beneficial. And you're, you're not talking about 20 minutes nonstop all-out effort, are you? Nope. Uh, your entire training session would be 20 to 30 minutes long. And so you might go lift some heavy hand weights for... Um, say five minutes and then go run a sprint on the treadmill and then gosh you know that did it you're you're just too tired to go on so you take a break for for just maybe 30 seconds it's whatever your body needs to recover enough that your heart rate lowers a little bit and you've got your breath back and you can repeat that cycle so you're doing that for 20 to 30 minutes those repeated cycles of high intensity a little bit of rest high intensity Number five is a long run or bike ride. 
Now, I, as a lot of our listeners know, I have over the last five years become a triathlete and a marathoner. And so I have learned to love these long workouts, which I used to not like, but they've, they've become uh, very relaxing for me. And although, uh, but I have to admit, going back to number four, what Aaron says about the high intensity short workouts probably being more important for most of our health goals, I, that, that is very true. But for recharging and improving energy and, and mood and managing stress, I still like to do a long run or bike ride about once a week. And for me, that's one to two hours or even more. But not everybody's going to do it that long. For me, a long run might be 30 or 40 minutes. Right. Um, there's, I guess, whatever works well for you. There, there's just something about when you, once you get to a point, and, and for me, it's basically, if I go out running, it's I get to about three miles or more, and my heart rate kind of slows down. I'm no longer out of breath. Um, and the, those, and I guess I'm probably getting hit by endorphins and there's something about those endorphins and sol- either solitude being by myself or running with a buddy. It's just so relaxing and re-energizing. That's probably hard to believe for anybody who doesn't do long runs and long bike rides. Cause most people think, oh, I just can't even run a mile. I would, doesn't sound relaxing at all. And it's not. No, it's even, even for a, a, any, a, any runner, that first half mile or mile for any runner is not a whole lot of fun because your body is just getting warmed up. And But once you go a little bit further and you do get that kind of your body totally warmed up and you get used to it for a while, you, you, real, you start to discover, wow, this is a very re-energizing, relaxing kind of activity. And I, I found it personally to be much more helpful than, let's say, t- having a drink or two of alcohol at the end of the day. Number six is stretching, yoga, or similar activities. As athletes, we know how important it is to stretch just to keep ourselves from becoming injured as we are participating in our sports, but stretching and yoga and tai chi and qigong and any of those kind of slow, fluid stretching types of activities are very calming and they're very re-energizing. It's, you know, you don't even have to be doing any mental meditation sort of thing, which is what you kind of uh, think of in connection with those terms. But just the sheer concentration on relaxing, because you have to relax into a stretch. When you're doing Qigong, you're relaxing and doing very fluid motions. Um, same with yoga and Tai Chi. It's it's an intentional relaxing. And so, you know, not only are you allowing some of that stress to go, but you are also actually kind of opening up energy pathways and allowing yourself to re-energize. Because when our muscles are tight, you really are blocking the flow of energy. If you kind of compare, uh, you know, if you tighten up your arm muscle and your hand really tight, versus actually letting it kind of uh, just hang loose, there's definitely, you know, the more fluidity to that that is going to allow you to recharge mentally and physically. Number seven is sleeping. This is probably the most underrated performance booster. I was, sort of got an eye-opener, I would say, when I read in Tom Rath's book, Eat, Move, Sleep, that Getting less than six hours of sleep per night on average is the number one 
risk factor for burnout. Wow. Yeah, and most people really don't get more much more sleep than that. In fact, in a in an audit by the Energy Project uh, recently, uh, an audit over over 148,000 people worldwide, 59% said they don't regularly get at least seven to eight seven to eight hours of sleep, and or they often wake up feeling tired. Basic, most things that I've read said you should get somewhere between seven to nine hours of sleep that fully restores your mind and body. Um, I've and that's just going to vary by person and even by time of year. For me personally, in the winter, I usually get need notice that I do best when I get pretty close to nine hours of sleep, like eight and a half hours of sleep or and so. And doesn't that seem exorbitant? It does. In this day and age, it, it sounds exorbitant. Yeah. Now in the summer. Not every summer, but I've definitely had summers where I my eyes woke up because it was getting light out and I'd only had about seven hours of sleep and I felt fine and, and I could go in a sustained period like that. So I think that's I think that the average when they say get seven to nine hours of sleep, that's probably accurate, but you need to pay attention to what works for you and, and it's best to just try adding 15 minutes uh, until you see when are you waking up and not being when are you waking up? fully energized. The other thing is if you get enough sleep and you don't go to bed on an empty stomach. So in other words, if you go to sleep, uh, you stop eating at least two to three hours before going to bed at night, it again will allow your metabolism to reset. It lets your, your, your body is able to basically burn fat instead of spending that time trying to digest food that's still in your system because the rest of the day it really is busy digesting food. And let me just add to that that you need that much good quality sleep. Um, And that's not easy for everybody. There's things that you can do to help improve your sleep quality. Um, Number eight is the eat, move, sleep virtual cycle. These three elements, eating, moving, and sleeping, build on one another. And I'm going to say what you just said, don't eat within a few hours of going to bed, you personally notice that you have much more restless sleep when you eat right before bedtime, if we have a snack, Mm -hmm. watching a movie or something like that. Um, And moving, if you are working out, especially doing those high intensity, short duration workouts, I mean, those kind of take it out of you. Or if you're outside sledding with your kids, or if you're you're moving um, strenuously, that's going to wear you out a little bit. And, And sleeping... Um, If you are having trouble sleeping, you can try taking melatonin. You can try things like having ritualized bedtime routines where you sort of dim the lights and maybe you read a little bit before you go to sleep or you listen to some music, um, where you're not doing anything stressful, not thinking about your work day tomorrow or your your work day today, uh, so that you can build that atmosphere of relaxation. There's also um, an app that I use on my own my iPhone. It's called uh, Z Sleep or Sleep Z, something like that. It's actually a NASA program that they use with the astronauts to help them um, have normal circadian rhythms. That It mimics brain waves of sleeping people and, and the sounds that you're listening to overnight kind of reprogram your brain to go into and out of proper sleep patterns. There's also... Um, Instead of an alarm clock, or in addition to an alarm clock, there are sunrise simulators you can use. I've got one that you just plug into the wall, and you plug a light into it, and it comes on really slowly over the course of maybe 10 to 20 minutes in the morning, and and this light gets a little brighter and a little brighter until it's fully bright in the room, and it's 
simulating the sunrise, you wake up feeling much more restful and refreshed than you do if you're in a dark room and you hear that me, me, me of your alarm clock. Number nine is sex. And I have to admit, it's a lot more interesting to talk about sex than it is to talk about sleep. Don't you think, honey? Right. (laughs) I think maybe a lot of people would be surprised to hear sex on the list of things that are re-energizing and recharging, but it is actually a fairly common when people take time to evaluate what truly energizes them. Sex is often on the list. Now, if you're low energy to begin with, then maybe sex sounds like too much work. And so I have my, my suggestion, what's sort of been helpful for us is to make a commitment for the sake of our relationship and energy to commit to at least a quickie a certain number of times a week, once a week, twice a week, six times a week, five times a day, I mean, whatever you need. <laughs> a little wishful thinking there, honey. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but it's interesting. I think a lot of married uh, people have discovered that if you are g- agree to at least go ahead and have a quickie at a certain period of time with your spouse, it may not s- seem romantic, but often that quickie turns into a much longer and more memorable time together than you were expecting. Sometimes it does. And it's good really to actually set an appointment for it. That sounds so unromantic, but more often than not, the end of the day comes around and I'm exhausted and you're exhausted. And what sounded good at two o'clock in the afternoon no longer sounds so like such a great idea. So, you know, to actually set an appointment and know at such and such of a time we're going to meet and, you know, if it's quick, it's quick. And if it lasts longer, great. But at least it happens. Or have a date night, certain nights of the week. And I mean, a lot of times, especially for females, it it helps to sort of be able to anticipate it coming up. So again, it doesn't sound romantic, but it it does make a difference and it will turn into a romantic time if you let it. It could. Yeah, we could do another podcast on romance. This one is about energy. (laughs) Number 10, light. Um, I recently talked to you about uh, waking up gently with a sunrise simulator, the effect of natural light on your energy levels is surprising, both um, as we were speaking of earlier, whether it's summertime or the uh, sunrise simulator, that effect of having the sunshine actually wake you up, that's important. But in addition, actually getting sunlight outside every day, especially in winter, is really, uh, it's very important to your energy levels. That sunshine is is energizing. It helps you to produce natural vitamin D in your skin, which is, um, that's an antidepressant. People who are low in vitamin D might be just sluggish. They might be sluggish and demotivated. They might be downright unhappy, depending on, you know, just what's going on in their bodies. But making it outside, getting that sunshine in your eyes, getting the fresh air does wonders for you. I will add to that by saying in the winter, because we get less sunlight and less direct sunlight, even when I do spend time outside every day, I will still get low energy levels. And so it seems to help me to run a device on my desk in the mornings called the Philips Go Light, G-O-L-I-T-E. It's a blue light and you just run it for 20 or 30 minutes once a day, preferably shortly after you wake up. And I don't know why, but it it does make a difference for me. 
and doctors do prescribe those for their patients that experience seasonal affective disorder. So you don't have to have a prescription. You can buy one on Amazon. That's what we did. Speaking of prescribing and prescriptions, number 11 is supplements, most of which do not actually require a prescription. But the idea is that maybe there's things in you, that you, you need that you're not getting from your normal eating uh, or normal light supply. And so a few things that I found helpful is, first of all, just a, a good multivitamin. I'm not 100% sold on whether you need to have huge amounts of vitamins, but I do find it helpful to at least, I, I, I take the Atom men's multiple vitamin. It's a high quality, high potency vitamin, but I only take half of the, the sort of what the amount they recommend just because I figure it's better than nothing. So at least I figure I've got my basis covered on that. I take that year round, but that's just kind of like a baseline. Secondly, I take vitamin D. We talked about how in the in the winter months in particular, my levels, like most people in our area, do get low. I take vitamin D year-round. In the warm months, I'm taking 1,000 IU a day. And in the cold months, I take 5,000 IU a day. And sometimes we, I wonder if maybe I shouldn't even take a second dose of 5,000 a day in the, in the really the kind of the coldest, darkest months. But I also take, a, in the winter months, a daily dose of St. John's wort. I suppose there's, uh, that's an, a certain kind of herb. And there's plenty of places to get that. I happen to get that from a product called Mood Lift Complex that is a Shackley product that I buy through a family member. And then during stressful seasons of life, there's a couple other supplements that I take uh, that are homeopathic. No, they're not homeopathics. They're just, um, I guess they're just nutritional supplements. One is to support healthy adrenal glands, and the other is for thyroid glands. So it's kind of important to know your own body and what sorts of supplements you need to be taking. Mm -hmm. Number 12, alone time. Some people need more of this than others. Um, I was kind of joking before the show. I said alone time or or not alone time if you're our oldest son who said that he probably would go stir crazy if he ever had to actually live in an apartment or a house by himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, on the other hand, I'm I'm a bit of an introvert, and it doesn't mean that I don't like people. It just means that when I'm interacting with other people, it drains my energy. And one of the ways that I recharge is by being alone. And personally, I do that first thing in the morning. I don't mind getting up super early if I can just sit there with a cup of something hot to drink and and my thoughts. And you know, maybe I'll uh, type a little bit on my computer or just anything quiet. And and I really dislike any intrusions into that time. You know, maybe a couple times a year, I'll actually be a little chatty in the morning and I'll try talking to Jesse in the morning. But most of the time, if someone is trying to talk to me or they want me to come work out with them or or help them with something, I just, I just can't do it without being grumpy because I value that time to recharge so much. And you should kind of get an idea of what sort of alone time you need to recharge. It may be very little if you're like my oldest son, but on the other hand, you may need more than you're getting, and so you're going to have to figure out what does that mean to you? Does that mean just escaping somewhere to read a book or going for a nature walk outside? What is that alone time that recharges you, and where can you fit it into your schedule? Number 13 is flying with eagles. This is basically the opposite of having alone time. I am an ambivert. I 
basically need about 50% uh, of time alone and 50% of time with other people or else I get uh, de-energized. I get, I get a certain amount of energy by being with others and a certain amount of energy by being alone. And if I'm way too much for any length of time on either end of that spectrum, I will, act, I will get tired and, and uh, de-energized. So flying with eagles to me is about spending enough time with energetic, optimistic people. And for me, that's people who like to kick around new ideas because that's just my wiring. I love to come up with new ideas, hear other people's new ideas, poke holes in in them, build on each other and what have you. And there are a couple ways that I do that. One is when Aaron and I get together with another couple uh, for a double date or maybe go out with, with two other couples. It just there's I always come back from those times out being very energized and just have a great time when that other couple is kind of a mutually uh, optimistic kind of couple. Also, I like to get together for coffee or breakfast or lunch with on a face to face basis with people here locally, either from uh, whether a work related contacts that I have or church contacts or community contacts who have energy and ideas and we want to do what we can to make a difference in other people's lives. Just getting together with a small group of people like that uh, helps, I think, mutually energize and edify each other. Number 14, travel or other ways to change the scenery. Um, Sometimes just hanging out at home or at the office, you, you just have too much going on, too much stuff that needs to be taken care of, and it's going to benefit you to actually have just a complete change of scenery and get out of there where you don't have all these projects staring you in the face. Um, and probably it's going to be a little different for each person depending on whether they need to kind of take a, a private retreat where they go off themselves, maybe to a bed and breakfast or an artist's workshop or whatever for, for a day or two or three. Um, maybe you want to go somewhere with your spouse or a best friend. Sometimes just that complete change of environment can spark new ideas. It can kind of refresh you and, and help you to hit things hard when you get back home without feeling like um, things are tired and stale. I think it's helpful when you, if you are going to plan to travel to know what kinds of travel make is helpful to you and is that better for you by yourself with one other person or in a group for me personally it makes a big difference i've noticed uh, who i'm traveling with i if i'm traveling by myself or with a a large group like our whole family i I actually will get tired as time goes by what really re-energizes me without fail is to be is to travel with one other person often you honey or uh, with if I got one business associate that I'm traveling with, I just get very excited for some reason. True, and sometimes just the logistics of moving a whole big group of people—that's tiring in and of itself. So you're negating the benefits of having your change of scenery. So those are 14 ways that leaders can re-energize their batteries. Aaron, we're going to discuss another 14 ways in our next episode, but I want to answer one question that's come in. Nathan asks. From after looking at the original blog post, should should he tackle all these energi- energizing ways? Is this is this a list that you sort of need to do all, all of them in a certain order? What do you think? 
I'm going to say that as with any lifestyle change, because that's really what this is when it comes down to it. This is not something that you're going to um, do do this week and be done with it and all of a sudden life's good. These are practices that you want to incorporate into your life. And so you need to kind of step back and think about what is going to make the biggest impact and start with that one or two things. Uh, I would suggest if you're not sure where to start that the biggest two would be walking outside in nature if you can and changing your diet so that you're eating more fruits and vegetables, more good high quality protein. If you're focusing on those, making sure you're eating more of those, you're going to by default have less room for some of the, the things that can actually deplete your energy stores like the refined carbohydrates. I think that's a great point. So pick one or two that you think is going to sort of give you the lowest, the biggest bang for the buck to get started with. And I like your suggestions with uh, walking outside every day and uh, uh, correcting your diet a little bit. So to make sure you're focusing on the higher energy foods. Yep. Do those for a couple of weeks and then pick one more or maybe two more. But don't take a handful at once. You'll never stick with it. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us today. You can find the show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 72 as in episode 72. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about.